Amen. Thank you, Jess. And good morning to you all. If I've not met you before, my name's Kath. And um, with Rich, I've been part of this church for the last 12 years. Can you believe we've been here for that long? And it is a total joy to be part of the leadership team. What a great community we are here at All Saints, aren't we? So I'm going to jump straight in, and we are coming to the end of our series on This Is Us, based um, partly on the series that Rich and I were watching. Has anyone else seen that? This Is Us? Yes, a few people in the room. I have to confess, I'm not a binge watcher, but I binge watched This Is Us. If you haven't seen it, Netflix, it's great. Um, and in this series, we've been looking at what it is to be a community of faith here at All Saints. And, you know, this series was born partly out of a conversation that Rich and I had in a car um, on a long journey in the summer um, during the holidays. And many of you might have those conversations as well. And we were sort of processing some of the conversations we'd been having with friends that we'd been visiting around the country. And some of the conversations had gone along these lines. They were people who've been in communities of faith for a long time, and they were saying things like, do you know what? We've actually been fine during lockdown. We've been fine without church. It's not really affected our faith. We are actually really enjoying our Sundays. I mean, we get that. We enjoyed that too. <laughs> it's great staying in our pajamas. We're still part of our small group, but we listen to podcasts, listen to worship music, it's all great. And then others would say, we're, we're plugging back into the Sunday service, but the small group thing, we haven't got the time, energy, don't really get the point of it. We're not going to be doing that anymore. So we were having this conversation, processing what is going on in the church, what is going on in people's hearts, and what God is wanting to do in the church in this time. So I think there's a sense, isn't there, and it's not just in church, but there's a sense that during this pandemic time, lots of things have been thrown up in the air. And it's caused us to ask a lot of questions, hasn't it? Which is a good thing. It's okay to ask lots of questions. And maybe you've had your questions over this time. I certainly have. And for some of us, it's caused us to kind of re-examine or re-engage, perhaps, with our faith. Um, so I know that I've taken the time to take things that I've always taken for granted and look again at what does that actually mean. And I wonder how you feel about things being thrown up in the air. For some of us, it can feel quite scary, can't it, to have stuff that we thought was true, kind of, we're not sure about it anymore. Whereas for others of us, it's very invigorating. I like it. I like sort of looking at things again. I find it invigorating. But whatever it is for you, I just want to encourage us to allow God to speak to us afresh in this time as, as individuals, but also as a community and work out what we can let fall to the ground and work out what we're going to hold on to as valuable and true as we go into the next season. And, you know, being shaken up, it's not a bad thing, is it? It's not a bad thing. 
because it does allow us to re-examine what we're holding on to and, and determine whether it's of eternal value. So Hebrews 20, uh, 12, 26 reminds us that what can be shaken can be removed. So it's created things. Those things are not of eternal value. But what cannot be shaken is, is the kingdom stuff. So we can remind ourselves as things get thrown up in the air that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So we don't need to be afraid. It's a good thing. And I believe that as we go forward as a community of faith, knowing the value of the things that we hold on to and then really taking hold of them is going to be so important as we grow into a bolder and a more beautiful church. Amen? Yeah. So one of the things I believe that we're being invited into is to take hold afresh of what it means to be church. And that's what this whole series is about. And as people have said, Jess and Rich have said in previous weeks, the church is God's chosen method of extending his kingdom to the entire world in all the mess and sometimes the confusion. It's his chosen container. It's his way to love every living thing that he's created. Isn't that amazing? It's quite humbling, isn't it? And so today, we're going to take a fresh look at the importance of building small, authentic community right at the heart of this thing called All Saints. And we're going to use Acts 2, 42 to 47, as a lens to help us determine what we can take hold of when it comes to building and sustaining authentic community. So should we read that together? If you've got a Bible or an app, feel free to turn to that now. So, Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who are being saved. Amazing passage, one of my favorites. So this is a description of what it looked like for the early church to practice the way of Jesus and to be authentic community together. Let's remind ourselves that this passage comes on the back of Jesus' death and resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and then 3,000 new believers who've been baptized and welcomed to the early church. I mean, what do you do with all that they'd experienced? It must have been exhilarating, but it must also have been quite dis disturbing, quite unsettling. It must have felt like a massive disruption in their lives. It might have felt, in fact, like everything had been thrown up in the air. Perhaps they were asking themselves, okay, so what are we supposed to hold on to and what are we supposed to let go of? 
some of their assumptions about what the kingdom of God was going to look like would have been vastly altered in this time. And what we see in this passage is that what they grasped hold of and put into practice were based around four main things. In order, all of these things, in order to love God, love one another, and love the world around them. That's always the aim, isn't it? So this passage in Acts is is sometimes regarded as theologians way cleverer than me as laying down the four marks of church. So it's, it's like the four main building blocks, the foundations of what it means to do church. And these have been agreed kind of by early church fathers and practiced through the generations. So let's go through these four marks that are based on this passage. So first of all, there's the apostles' teaching. And this is all about the importance of the lifelong journey of learning from the scriptures in community and done, um, helped by the teachers and the apostles of that, that day. And all, of course, with the aim of allowing our minds and our actions to be shaped by God. So the second one is about the common life of those who believe. So this is all about sharing in the life of faith together. Sometimes people use that word fellowship. I have slightly kind of funny connotations with that word. Are you with me? But it kind of means friendship or family. That's basically what it's referring to. The next one is the breaking of bread, and we're going to do that in a bit. And this is all about basically creating a moment or sharing a meal where we're remembering the central significance, basically, of Jesus' death and resurrection. We're looking at what our faith centers around. And lastly, the prayers. And I'm just going to quote N.T. right here because I just cannot say it better than him, who says that prayer is remembering that Christians are supposed to be heaven and earth people. Prayer makes no sense whatever unless heaven and earth are designed to be joined together and we can share in that already. Boom. I mean, what else can you say? So that is what the prayers are all about. And as I said, these four marks are based on this passage in Acts 2. And they've been the building blocks for generations of Christians as they built their communities. And as Jess um, said at the beginning, they form the basis of the creed that we've been saying for the last few weeks. I grew up saying this, and it all felt a bit religious, but I feel like we can rediscover the beauty and the, the, the gold in that thing, in that prayer that we say with other people all around the world um, as we come together on a Sunday. And one of the important things to say about these four marks is that you can't separate them. Because if you separate them, it does damage to the whole. So our actions affect the whole of church. So it's a bit like the four circles, which we saw um, on that slide before. They're four interlocking circles. It's the way that church has been designed to continuously do all four. And of course, let's just remind ourselves that we don't do these out of religion, do we? Or box ticking. That's not the motivation. We're doing them 
unto our formation as people made in the image of God and because of the mission of the church. That's the outworking. We do them so that our community would be the healthiest and the most beautiful vehicle through which Jesus can extend his kingdom to the entire world. Yeah? So, here at All Saints, our belief and our experience is, is that some of these are achieved mainly as we gather as one body on a Sunday, and some are achieved mainly as we gather in smaller groups. And each of us needs to be engaging in both in order for the church to be functioning as it was designed to. Does that make sense? So I don't know what family looks like for you, and I'm talking about blood family, but I was born into a Catholic family, a big Catholic family, French on one side and Irish on the other, both Catholic. So that means that I have a lot of brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, and a lot of cousins. Um, and we love to gather together. There's an unwritten rule in our family that if you're having a celebration, everyone gets invited. So that meant that our wedding was very, very big because all my cousins came with their girlfriends and wives and husbands, etc. Um, it's always a big old celebration. And at these celebrations, we are one family and we have a brilliant time celebrating life, catching up, etc. And then we go back to our family units, um, which may, might be based on friendship. So some of my cousins will be living with flatmates, etc. Or it might be based on blood. So in my case, going back to my family. And this, of course, is where we do intimacy. We share the ups and downs, the joys and challenges of weekly life. And it's where we heal and we grow and we have safety and challenge. And this is kind of what it means when it comes to being part of the big, but also being part of the small, authentic community at All Saints. Both are family, and we need both, but they have different functions. So, as I said this morning, we're just going to spend some time focusing on the value of the small, of the smaller, authentic community within this bigger thing, um, this bigger community of faith. So, we're going to just very quickly spend a bit of time doing a deeper dive on what we can learn from the early church as we look to grow these authentic communities here at All Saints. Okay? So, firstly... Small groups, smaller communities are great contexts to practice the way of Jesus together. So we see in Acts 2 that the early church gathered in the temple courts to hear the apostles' teaching, but it was in people's homes that they worked out how to apply this teaching. So let's remember that the disciples, who would of course have been right at the heart of the early church, were instinctively replicating what they'd experienced when they'd been with Jesus. Because he was the one who kind of built loving community with them. Little did they know, probably, that as they'd eaten and uh, worked and chatted and prayed alongside Jesus, that he was actually modeling to them a way of living in authentic community 
from which the church would grow and through which it would be the container through which Jesus would extend his kingdom. Jesus knew, because he's just so wise, that it was just going to be caught, it was going to be caught just as much as taught. So living alongside him was going to be just as important. Learning from him was going to be just as important as opening the scriptures. So yes, they would have read the scriptures together. They would have prayed. But he was teaching them how to love and be loved. He was actually living alongside them and, and working life out together with them. And for the early church, even though some of them would have actually experienced this with Jesus, they had to keep practicing. They knew that formation happens when we take what we've learned and we practice it. So if they had to practice it, how much more do we? And here's the thing. There are no shortcuts to us being formed into people who are more like Jesus. Theory's one thing. Working it out alongside living, breathing people is where the rubber hits the road. Yeah? So just like the early church, our discipleship happens when we take what we've learned and we practice it together. So when we meet in midweek communities, it's about opening the scriptures. It's about processing the Sunday teaching together. It's about praying for one another. And it's about finding a context where our giftings can grow. Dallas Willard puts it like this when he's describing discipleship. He says, it's being with Jesus to learn from Jesus how to be like Jesus. A great description of discipleship. And the way that this thing works is that healthy things grow. And so as we do this discipleship journey together, we become disciples who then go on to make disciples. We can't stop it from growing. It's exciting, isn't it? So secondly, smaller communities are great context for building loving community. So let's remember that the disciples had not only been with Jesus, but at Pentecost, through the Holy Spirit, the believers had experienced the power and love of God poured into them in a powerful, extremely surprising way probably for them. So these early small communities were literally expressions of God's love poured into humanity. It was their natural expression. And it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because God is relational. Like he is the ultimately relational thing. He's three in one. That's what the Trinity is all about. So intimate relationship is at the center of who God is. And so it's no surprise that an encounter with the Holy Spirit, with the presence of God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, compels them to gather in intimate community. And this is what Paul means when he talks about the church being the body of Christ. 
What he's saying is that the church is more than just individual spiritual practices. It's more than an individual journey. It's about a community literally embodying what it looks like to live like Jesus did. Church is a a community kingdom project lived out together. So you can't represent Jesus to the world without being part of the body. Yeah. And the reality is, for us All Saints and for many other churches around the country, part of being a, a bigger church is that it can feel harder to do this, can't it? But it makes it even more important to go small. Because have you noticed, if you've been coming here for a while, it's basically impossible to know and be friends with everyone. I don't know everyone's name here at All Saints anymore. I don't have the capacity to invite everyone round for dinner. Nobody does. And that's why we have to pick us, not even pick, but, do, but commit to doing life with a smaller group of people. And the reason we call them life groups here at All Saints is that the vision is for them to be communities where we commit to doing life together. So it's beyond a meeting. It's about literally growing family. And I don't know about your family, but my family is where they see the worst of me. But as they see the worst of me, hopefully as as it's revealed, there's also a space for it to be healed. And Rich and I would definitely say that as much as listening to Sunday talks has been so great and important, the really transformational stuff for us has been in context where we've been able to really reveal who we are, the darkest corners of who we are, many of which you would not want to know about. And we've been able to be real and honest, and that's where transformation and healing has happened And I'm sure many of you will relate to that. So family is also a place of safety where we can experience challenge. And very importantly, in my opinion, they're also places where we can have fun and we can be silly and we can laugh. And that is the joy that is the oxygen to keep us going on this journey. We need to have fun, don't we? And small communities, hopefully, is where we have the most fun. So life groups are places of experiencing God's love because God is relational so that we can take his love to others. And one of the things we've heard over and over again in the last couple of years is that people have connected in online, but it's as they've connected into midweek communities that they've really found relationship and family, and many of you will have had that experience. So, thirdly and finally, let's embrace the opportunity that our cultural context gives us. And this is what the early church did. So in the early church, life was lived in small communities. Families lived together under one roof. Houses were close together. People didn't lock their doors in the same way that we do today. And so doing life in small community came really naturally to a lot of people. Um, In the ancient world, also members of the family 
would, would often work alongside each other. So they would be working in sort of trusted relationships. And the early Christians sort of replicated, they took this model and they replicated it uh, as a way of doing family. So when you added in the kingdom of God's way to this way of doing family, it was no surprise that they were communities of love and that they were attracting new believers wherever they went. But of course, while this was true for the early church, our cultural context is extremely different, isn't it? In fact, completely the opposite. We've never been so fragmented There's never been so much loneliness or poor mental health, people suffering on their own, a context where social media is just exacerbating all these things because we think we know people, but we're actually not really in relationship with them. But can we agree that this actually presents us as the church in the 21st century with an opportunity? Yes, it might mean that it might feel kind of harder for us to commit to these smaller communities. It might even feel unnatural for us to to go on that journey ourselves. But I think this way of doing family could be a prophetic sign to the world around us of what it really looks like to love and be loved as who we are. And as we pattern our lives around Jesus together and create attractive, loving communities, we have the potential to influence society, to influence the wider culture. How exciting is that? And many of us might have seen that. We've certainly seen that with our neighbours. It's been so exciting over the years that we've lived in Worcester to see our um, community, our neighbours drawn into the life at All Saints or different churches, um, partly because of what they've seen. So one of the things I did in the pandemic, and some of you might have done this as well, was to plant a vegetable garden. I must have had a lot of time on my hands. Now, many of you will know, if you've been to my garden particularly, that I am not a gardener at all. Never been a gardener. My parents are both great. I'm terrible at gardening. But I decided I was going to give it a go. And actually, my efforts were helped a lot by Rich and Zach, who built me a lovely sort of vegetable planter thing and spent lots of time nailing it together, filled it with compost bought the seeds, and if any of you have grown seeds, you might relate to the fact that they became like my babies. Um, As I planted them and watered them, made sure they had enough sunlight, nurtured them, checked on them every day, um, and then just worked out when they were strong enough and big enough to be transplanted to the big world outside into the vegetable patch. And what amazed me most, you're just going to laugh if you're a gardener, um, but what amazed me most was the fact that plants grow all by themselves. It was so cool just to see that they were just doing it all by themselves. I didn't actually need to do anything. Who knew? And it's amazing how one minute you transplant them into this vegetable patch, and the next thing they're growing you courgettes and tomatoes. And all you need to do is just add in the right ingredients. Pray that the English sun will shine. 
keep watering them, and they just produce fruit all by themselves. And I think it's a bit like this when it comes to growing authentic communities. We don't get to decide how and when the fruit's going to grow, but we can be part of creating the right environment for loving, authentic community to flourish and grow here at All Saints. So, what is the invitation here for us um, as a community of faith? And right now, some of you might be thinking, okay, this is the bit where she's going to invite us to be part of small midweek communities. And if you're thinking that, you are partly right, and I'm going to go on to explain how you could do that. But I also just want to quickly acknowledge that life, I know, we get this, that life doesn't always fit into neat boxes. We totally get that. And we know that some of you might be working away all week. We know that some of you might be looking after elderly relatives, single parents, working all week, busy in the evening. We get that. And Rich and I find it hard. We have, we're juggling a lot of things, and we get that this midweek community life can be tricky. So I just want to acknowledge that. So, yeah, just hear that there is so much grace and understanding and you are so welcome to keep connecting in wherever you can and however you can. But at the same time, let's also acknowledge that being part of a midweek community, if you already are, um, doesn't necessarily mean that you are in authentic community. So turning up to a midweek gathering isn't the same as doing authentic community. So if that's you, and if that's the kind of context you find yourselves, can we all agree to be part of the solution to that? Maybe you might need to take a step to invite somebody in your life group over for a meal, or just go and hang out with them, go and have coffee with them, whatever it is. So if we're already in a community, a midweek community here at All Saints, can we commit afresh to building loving, authentic community and to practicing the way of Jesus together? And if you're not part of a midweek community here at All Saints, I want to issue a big, wide invitation to you this morning. So at All Saints, uh, life groups are the main way we pursue midweek community together. But we also have lots of other wonderful midweek expressions of community, such as Men Together, um, Revive, and Art Space, which are all incredible. And if you'd like to take a step and find out more about this, um, there's coming up on screen, there's a list of various things um, that are going on. And if you'd like to find out more, come and chat to one of our staff team at the end, or you can email the office. Um, there's loads of information also on the All Saints website to find out more about that. And for Rich and I, we've realized that even though I've been involved in leading various post-alpha groups and discipleship groups, etc., we've realized that in this season, we need to look again about how we can be involved in um, one of these midweek communities. Because authentic communities are going to be key in the next season as we build this thing called All Saints. So... 
just before we close, a few final things just to say. If you are leading a life group, um, a midweek community, Rich and I just want to say a massive thank you, especially over the last couple of years. We know that it's been tough at times to keep going, and we know that all that you pour in, the resources, the time, etc., that you pour in, it's a lot of it's hidden, but we just want to say a massive thank you to all um, for all that you do. And if you are part of a life group midweek community, just a massive thank you for persevering over the last couple of years particularly. We know that meeting on Zoom at times, who wants to do that after a day at work? And yet you've done it anyway. Thank you for being part of it. Thank you for believing in authentic community. Thank you for persevering. And maybe you're somebody who is just listening this morning and thinking, even if you're not part of a, a group already, you just think, do you know what? I would really like to lead one of these. And if you would, there's going to be an evening coming up where you can find out more about doing that. So if you'd like to lead and start and start to grow and nurture one of these communities, we would love you to find out more about that. But what I want to say is that now is as good a time as any to take a step in this direction. If, you're just, if you've been thinking about it for a while, why not just go for it and, and take the next step to joining one of these communities? I get excited when I think of all that God can do and wants to do through us as we build at the heart of our community, loving, authentic communities where we're practicing the way of Jesus together. Amen. Should we pray? Let's stand up and let's pray. So Jesus, we just thank you that you are a model of intimate relationship. God, thank you that in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you model to us the, the best way of, of doing relationship. Thank you that you want to love us and show your love to the world through authentic community. And I pray that as we as a church grow and um, grow deeper roots, that God, you would knit us together in close community, that you'd help our roots to go deeper into your love, that we would be able to um, reveal more of who we are in, in small communities. God, would you grow your church as you promised to do, and would you use us to do all that we can to be part of